listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Take a minute to share what we're going to jump in today. I'm going to be talking about three significant reasons that Satan hates you, absolutely hates you. And it's, it's been ramping up, as you can see, uh, throughout history. I mean, there's always been spikes of violence and corruption all the way from Bible times to now. But you can clearly see that something's happening once again. There's something going on. The devil hates this generation, hates this generation. Um, I do want to say this also for those of you that are, as you're sharing, as you're uh, jumping on and get your Bible, get a notebook, get a pen, man, open notes on your phone, unless you're watching the broadcast on your phone. I want to show you something because this is a pattern. If you've not seen the pattern, I'm going to show it to you. And then I'll show you these three things. But did you notice, did you notice that in the Bible, when any time God was getting ready to raise up a deliverer to change the dispensation of the earth. Now, let me, let me say this. What's up, Caitlin, uh, Mike and Theo. Listen to this. So very, so very important. When any time God was getting ready to raise up a deliverer to change a dispensation. Now I want to, I don't want to make this seem too deep because it's not really that deep. It's pretty simple to understand. You know, we had different dispensations on the earth, you know, uh, when the time of Adam, time of Noah, you know, and then when the law began, the law of Moses, Moses was a very important figure because not only did he bring God's people out of bondage, but then God gave Moses, not only the 10 commandments, but the law. And for thousands of years, the Jewish people lived according to the law of Moses still do today. Um, and then God raised up another deliverer who was Jesus Christ. He brought us into the promise. So he changed the dispensation from the law and we now step into the promise and we're living in the promise today. We're in that, the, the dispensation of grace, if you will. And so I want you to catch this cause it's so, if you've never seen it, this is so important and it's encouraging to the believer when God raises up a new deliverer to change the dispensation the devil can sense it and the devil hates it and he works against it. <clears throat> you can see it. And, and it's almost like uh, how you would look at type and shadow uh, from the Old Testament to the new. But watch this. When Moses was born <clears throat> and being getting ready to be raised up to be God's deliverer for the people of Israel, notice what Pharaoh did. You know what he did. He started killing all the babies. Did you notice that? He started killing all of the babies. He was instructing the midwives, kill the babies as they come out, kill the babies as they come out. And so notice what was he trying to do? He was trying, the enemy's agenda was to stop the deliverer from coming and to change the dispensation. That's what the deliverer was meant to do. So what does he do? He was, it was Moses. If you notice this, it was Moses that he was trying to eliminate 
couldn't do it. And so he tried to kill all the babies and all the babies were being killed. Then you look at the time of Jesus. God's raising up another deliverer, raising up Jesus to bring us into the dispensation of grace and promise. Look at this. As Jesus is born, what does Herod begin to do? He starts killing all the babies. Same thing that happened in Moses' day happened in Jesus' day. Pharaoh started killing all the babies. And then Herod started killing all the babies. And that's because Moses was coming. And then it was because Jesus was coming. Now, do you think it's any coincidence in the time that we're living in now that abortion is spiking again throughout this nation, other nations, as the deliverer is getting ready to come back again and change the dispensation. We're getting ready. Let me tell you something. We're getting ready to leave this earth. We're seeing signs of the second coming of Christ all over the world. And so we're coming to the end of a dispensation. Grace is coming to an end. What I mean by that is when the church is raptured, the dispensation will change. It won't be a dispensation or a time of grace anymore. It'll be a time of judgment, judgment from God. Of course, you know that the tribulation takes place after the rapture and, and, and everything. Seven years of judgment upon the earth. The antichrist rises to power, but notice what makes that happen. Jesus returns to rapture his church. So understand something. It's the pattern once again, except there's never been a time that the devil's plan to kill children has ever stopped God's plan. He couldn't stop Moses from coming. He couldn't stop Jesus from coming and he won't stop Jesus from coming this time. But it's a sign of the times because one of the thing I want you to see is, is Jesus prophesied. He said, before I come back, the world will be like it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. And in the days of Noah, there was extreme violence and extreme corruption. Well, we're seeing it today. We're seeing it today all over the earth. And one of the things you've got to know is that the devil hates you. I mean, if you, if you don't understand this, the devil hates you. He hates you. You know, one of the things that should encourage you is the devil trying to fight against you. That should actually encourage you. And I'm going to tell you why. When the devil tries to fight against God's people, one of the reasons that it should encourage you greatly is this. First, the devil has limited resources. And I want you to put that in the comments section. The devil has limited resources. Pop that in the comments. Satan has limited resources. You need to know the devil's not a creator. He can't create new things. Only God is the creator that all the devil has is himself and the angels that left heaven with him in rebellion. He can't create demons. He can't create evil spirits. When wicked people die and go to hell, the devil can't then recruit them into the army and use them on the earth. No, they are in their place of a temporary judgment before the lake of fire opens up. You, the, the devil can't use them uh, as 
You know, the Bible says, we read this the other day that in Hades where the rich man was, uh, Jesus told the story there's, you can't leave Hades. You can't escape and nobody can cross the chasm. So it's not like Satan can take fallen people who have died and gone to hell and use them as part of his army. It doesn't work that way. All he has is himself and the angels that left heaven with him. However, our God is a creator. So people always think, well, you know, devil took one third of the angels. That means God's got two thirds left. Who's to say God didn't create more since that time. He could have instantly created a million times that amount. He's the creator. He can do what he wills. He doesn't even need it because his word is enough, but who's to say that he didn't. So the devil's got limited resources. So think about this. If the devil's got limited resources, if he's using them against you, that means he views you as a threat. Think about that for a second. This is where it gets encouraging. This is why you should start giving God praise. If you see the devil trying to come against your life, because that means that he is willing to use his limited resources to try to attack you and your family. Meaning he sees you as enough of a threat to use what little resource he has to harass your life. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh yeah. You should be encouraged knowing that number one, you'll always triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. First Corinthians 15, 57. He always causes us to triumph in his name. So we don't lose. We can't lose. We're unbeatable. We're uncursable. So you should always be excited. You'll never lose. You can't lose. And then also this knowing that's how the devil views you. He views you as a threat and knows you've got power. Well, if he's, if he knows you've got power, he's going to try to work against you. So you should be encouraged. Don't ever let the devil make you think, well, I'm a nobody. I'm just so insignificant in the kingdom. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are significant. You are a warrior in the kingdom of God, full of God's power, full of his anointing, full of his glory. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't accomplish. He's equipped you to triumph. Amen. He's equipped you to triumph. In fact, I want you to say it. He has equipped me to triumph. He has equipped me to triumph. Amen. Say that in the comments. He has equipped me to triumph. That's it. And that, that should be encouraging. You've got the equipment, you've got the armor, you've got the weapons. And so today we're going to jump into this because as you see the devil fighting in this generation, against God's people, against the people of the world. I want to show you three very important reasons that, and these are significant because they show what you have and who you are. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, uh, and verse 12 through 15 verses 12 through 15. So if you're taking notes, pop it down. That's our text for today. Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 15, three significant reasons that Satan hates you and Satan constantly tries to fight against you and to attack you. Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 15. And we're looking at the prophet Isaiah who is actually uh, in a prophet. He's looking through 
eyes of prophecy back in time. He's looking back in time. Um, look at this starting in verse 12, how speaking about Lucifer, how you are fallen from heaven. O day star son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the North. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. I want you to see that you are brought down. That's what the devil said about himself, but that's what happened to him. And then if you, uh, if you read prophecy, Jesus actually said himself, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Hallelujah. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And so I want you to see this because these are the things that we're going to cover quickly that the devil wanted and said he would take, said he would have. God simply said, no, you won't. And struck him so hard that he fell from heaven like lightning. And the Bible says, brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. The reason that these are significant is because when you understand them, it actually gives you an understanding of your power and your glory in Christ. Your power and your glory in Christ. So I want to cover three things that the devil said that God said would not be the case that is now the case in your life. So number one, what did Satan say here in Isaiah chapter 14? Number one, put it in the comment section. Number one, I will ascend to heaven. I will ascend to heaven. That was the first thing. He's now, now if you read, if you understand scripture, Satan was in the earth. He was here on the earth still as a godly being, you know, doing what God had asked him to do. But now he leads a rebellion into heaven. I will ascend into heaven thinking that with his rebellious spirit and attitude that he was going to come in and take his position in a place he wasn't supposed to be. God had sent him elsewhere. I will ascend into heaven. It's going to be my position. So that's number one. God said, you will not. And God took his rebellious spirit and all those that were with him and ejected them immediately from heaven, ejected them so hard that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And so the first thing that Satan said he would have that he cannot have that you do have is a position in heaven. Hallelujah. And so you have position in heaven right now, today. I'm going to Ephesians, uh, and I'm going to read to you from Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. This is one of the most powerful thoughts that you could ever see. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Uh, Ephesians chapter two and verse five. Some of you that are watching me, you think that um, you're waiting to get to heaven, that you're waiting until you die or waiting until the rapture happens to get to heaven. Nope. Listen to Ephesians two, five. The Bible says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Now look at this, verse six, and raised us up with him. Stop right there. And you raised us up with who? With Christ. So this is Paul's revelation that God gave him, that we were united with Christ. So Paul says it in Galatians 2.20, right? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So what Paul is teaching Christians is when Christ was crucified, you were crucified. When Christ was buried, you were buried. When Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. But then check this out, Ephesians 2, 6. And when Christ was ascended into heaven or was raised up into heaven, you were also raised with him. Hallelujah. You're not waiting to be raised. You're already in that position of authority. You are, the Bible says this, and raised us up with him. Raised us up with him. So the thing the devil wanted, I will ascend into the heavens. God said, no, you won't. And ejected him. And then God said, I'm going to make man in my image likeness. And then Christ redeemed us. Christ was resurrected, Christ was raised, and he ascended into heaven. And the Bible tells us when he ascended, we ascended. Thank you, Lord. When he ascended, we ascended. The very thing, the, de- the first thing the devil said he would do, he could not do. And just to, I love this, just to rub it in the devil's face. I love how God does it. He doesn't just like to defeat your enemy. He likes to frustrate your enemy just to rub it in the devil's face. He said, not only will you not ascend into heaven, I will take my people who I love and who I've chosen and I'll raise them up into heaven. I will give them the position you wanted. Hallelujah. I will give them the position that you wanted and the devil hates you. Number one, Because though he desired to ascend into heaven, he could not. And God caused you to ascend into heaven. And the Bible is very clear that even though we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, hallelujah, he made us alive together with Christ by grace. You've been saved and raised us up with him. We're not, let me just give you something that'll make you shout. We're not down here on the earth begging for help from God. Oh God, send help, send help down. We're in a crisis. No, we're in heavenly places. We are in heavenly places. We've already been raised up with Christ. We're actually fighting not for the victory. I'm fighting from the victory. Glory to God. If you listen, if you're watching this today, put that in the comments. I'm not fighting for the victory. I'm fighting from the victory. Thank you, Lord. 
I'm not fighting for the victory. I'm fighting from the victory. I've already got it. That's my position. That's where we stand. That's where I'm fighting from. You know, the war is won. Battles are still being waged because the devil's too stupid to know that he's already lost. Battles, battles are still being fought, but the war is won. You understand that? And so we're not fighting for the victory. We're fighting from the victory. That's it. I'm already raised up according to scripture. I'm already raised up. That's it, Ben. That's it, Christina, Cynthia. Love you, Murray Shanu. I'm not fighting for the victory. I'm fighting from it. I've got it already. And the devil hates the fact that I've got it. And he hates the fact that God raised me and you with Christ up into heavenly places. We're already there. What's the second thing that the devil said? Well, let's go back to Isaiah 14. Back in Isaiah 14, second thing the devil said was this. Number two, he said, I will set my throne on high and I will sit on the mount of assembly. I will ascend in the far reaches of the north and I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds. So notice Satan's second declaration. I will be seated on the throne. Hallelujah. Look at that phrasing. What, a, what an arrogant punk. I will set my throne on high. What an arrogant punk. As if you're going to stand in the face of God, throw him off of his throne and set your throne on high. That's what Satan said. I will not only ascend into heaven, I'll set my throne on high. And God said, no, you won't. And smacked him and sent him out of heaven. And look at this, to rub it in the face of the devil again. I mean, come on to rub it in the face of the devil again. Look at Ephesians 2, 6 again. And has raised us up with him, but didn't stop there. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We've been already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus or in Christ Jesus. This is so, so powerful. So the the next thing the devil wanted was to have a throne of authority. Okay. Listen to this. Number one, he wanted to ascend into heaven. So that's position. He wanted heavenly position, but then catch the second thing. I'll set my throne. I'll set my throne on high. It's not just position. He said, I also want authority. Number one position. Number two, authority. I'll take my position and I'll take my authority. God said, no, you won't. And he was ejected. But notice what the Lord did for every one of his children. The Bible says he gave us position and then gave us authority. Seated us on a throne in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen. If Christ, if I'm his body, if I'm part of his body, I'm on the throne right now. I'm on the throne right now. It's God who put us in Christ Jesus. We didn't put ourselves there. Couldn't have put ourselves there. God did it. 
And listen, very important. If I'm in his body, I'm seated on the throne right now. You're seated on the throne right now. Hallelujah. He not only gave us a position, he gave us authority. That's where we're at right now. We have authority in this earth. We have dominion in this earth. Why do you think the devil has to answer when we speak? Why do you think demons have to come out when we command them to come out? Why do you think sickness and disease have to go when we command them to go? Why do you think that attacks against the mind, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts have to run when we speak to them? Because we didn't just get position. He gave us authority. Amen. Put us in Christ, seated us in heavenly places at the right hand of the father. There's no more powerful place to be than that. There is no more powerful place to be than seated on the throne at the right hand of the father. That's where we are today. We're the body of Christ seated on the throne at the right hand of God. That's just straight authority. Hallelujah. That's why it's so powerful that the Bible says in first John, as he is, so are we in this world. Think about it as he is not as he was. Let me, let me get, get some here. Not as Christ was as he is currently, even at the time that was written as he is currently when first John was written, Christ was already glorified. Christ was already at the right hand of the father, making intercession for you and preparing a place for you in heaven. It was already done. So notice when, when John wrote that as he is talking about currently, so are we in this world. So Christians get this. I know we get this kind of mixed up, but let me tell you, it's not a baby Jesus that we identify with. I'm saying I'm one in the baby Jesus. No, it's not baby Jesus. It's not 12 year old Jesus walking around asking questions in the temple. That's not who my identity is in. It's not 30 year old carpenter Jesus. No, don't go and get one of those little plaques that says my boss is a Jewish carpenter. What a stupid thing to put in your office or on your wall, dumbing Jesus down to some human carpenter. That's not what he was. It's not what he was. And that's not who who we identify with. Let me go further. Not Christ on the cross. Every time I see somebody with a a chain, wearing a chain with a cross, Jesus hanging on it. I say, bro, I got to get you a new one. There's a new version out. That one's an old one. He's not on that anymore. The cross is empty. I'm not identifying with an on the cross, Jesus suffering and dying and nailed to the tree. He's not on that cross. John said, as he is not as he was, as he is, I am not identifying right now with a Christ who's in the grave. Cause he's not in the grave today. He's only in there three days. He's up. Hallelujah. He's up. He's been resurrected. And so who do I identify with? I identify my identity in Christ is based upon the Christ that John, the revelator saw on the Isle of Patmos as he was, uh, exiled there. And listen to this. The Bible says, uh, that he had heard a voice speaking to him. And look at this verse 17, the Bible says, and when I saw him who was speaking, Jesus, when this is revelation one 17 through, uh, 20 revelation chapter one, 17 through 20. Here's the Christ. 
that we identify with in our identity with Christ. Look, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead, as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, hallelujah, catch it. Fear not, I'm the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things you've seen, those that are take place after this. You see, it's Jesus, the glorified Jesus. Let me show him to you. Listen to this. Uh, if you go to back to verse 12, we'll read 12 through 16. He'll describe him. If you want to see the power of who just laid his hands on John and spoke and said, I died and I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Listen to his description. This is now I'm going to go Revelation 1, 12 through 16. Listen to this description. And then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Hallelujah. That's the glorified Jesus. That's the Jesus who's a, a resurrected and in power, who God has glorified. That is the Jesus we're a part of today. That's the Christ of whom we're a part of the body. That, that's him. That's who we identify with. So when John says in 1 John, as he is, so are we in this world. Let me just tell you something. I am identifying today with a glorious, victorious seated on a throne, shining in his brilliance, lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, not some beaten, broken down in a grave, baby in a manger, 12 year old in a temple. No, the victorious Christ. That's who you're a part of. That's who you're a part of. That's why it's victorious. That's why you're seated on a throne. You're not trying to make it. You already have the victory because as he currently is, Is Jesus suffering right now? No. Then are we suffering right now? No. No. As he is, so are we in this world. But see, this is the faith we take. Are there people that are sick? Yes. Are there people that are diseased? Yes. Are there people depressed? Yes. Are there people that are uh, battling the attack of the enemy? Of course. But that doesn't mean you have to lose. Because when you understand your identity, I've been raised up and seated position and authority. Glory to God. Position and authority. That's it. That's your story. Look at number three, because this, this right here will, this one right here will make you run. Look, he didn't just want position. He didn't just want authority. What's the last thing he wanted? Identity. He wanted identity, position, authority, identity. Look at this now. Last thing he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. I will make myself like the most high. 
And God said, no, you won't. You'll never take or assume my identity. God was very clear. No, you won't. And ejected him from heaven. Number three reason that Satan hates you is because you have the identity that he wanted. Glory to God. Number one, you have the position he wanted. Number two, you have the authority he wanted. And number three, you have the identity that he wanted. This is important stuff, man, because when you catch your identity in Christ, which is what we're teaching the kids this August, uh, that's the Miracle Word Kids mission for the month of August, my identity in Christ. This is vital because without this, you go through life begging, wondering if you're even worthy to receive the blessings of God. We're wondering if you're even in position to be blessed or to have what God said is yours. But when you catch the fact that God's the one who caused you to be raised up in position, caused you to be seated in authority, and now has caused you to have his own identity. Man, come on. I have, in fact, I want you to write this in the comments section right now. I have a heavenly identity. I have a heavenly identity. Now, keep in mind as you're writing that in the comments, all of what I just read to you happened in the timeline before Adam was ever created. Happened before Adam was created. So go back to after, you know, because by the time Adam was in the garden, Satan was already cast down. He was already in the form of a serpent trying to beguile Eve. So it's happened before Adam was created. But catch this, what did God say? I have a heavenly identity. That's right. What did God say just once again to rub it in the face of the devil? What did the devil say? I will make myself like the most high. (laughs) I will make myself like the most high. Well, God said, no, you won't. But then look what he did. Genesis chapter one and uh, verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. This is the first time he did it. And I'll break this down, but look, then God said, let us make man in our image. Speaking to the Trinity, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. As my dad preaches, you've even got authority over creeps. (laughs) Everything that creeps on the earth. So you see that? God said, let us make man in our image. So the devil said, I will make my, uh, I will make myself like the most high. God said, no, you won't. And then to rub it in the devil's face, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Amen. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So not only do we have position and authority, we have identity. We're in, we're made in his image, made in his likeness. Well, when God created Adam, he gave him all dominion, authority, and power here on the earth. But notice what happened because Adam knowingly sinned. He turned the authority 
of the earth over to Satan. Turned it over to Satan, which is the reason Jesus had to come to take it back from Satan. Someone asked earlier, are there actual keys that Jesus had to take back? And understand this, it is the authority that Jesus took back. Adam had it, and by his sin, he surrendered it to Satan. Satan didn't steal it from him. I want you to understand this. Satan didn't have the authority, the power, or the dominion to steal it. He couldn't have stole it if he wanted to. Adam willingly surrendered his authority through knowing sin. He knowingly sinned. And when he did, he surrendered his authority. He surrendered what God had given him to Satan. That's why he is referred to as the first Adam, but Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. Amen. But when the so this is the first time God made man in his image. See that Genesis one is the first time that God made man in his image, but he did it a second time. He did it a second time, had to, because that part of that image was the dominion and the authority. That's what he just said. Notice verse 26. The, this is what the Lord said. Not only let's make it, make him in our image and likeness, but give him dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, everything that creeps upon the earth and all the earth and all that's in it. And so, so catch this, uh, part of the identity was the dominion and authority. And that's what Adam lost that Christ had to take back. And so he took it back by redemption, but notice what the Bible says. Now, second Corinthians chapter five, Christ did it a second time, making man in his image and likeness. Uh, second Corinthians chapter five and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Glory to God. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Hallelujah. I mean, look at that. Look at that. Very important thought here. He made man in his image the first time in the flesh. Then he made man in his image the second time in the spirit. See, because our flesh, he created our bodies to look like him, but it was our spirit that died. You understand that? Our bodies still look like God, but it was our spirit that has to now look like God. And so here's the key. He, he created our bodies and spirits. At first, we lost the spiritual position and standing. And then now, glory to God. And then now he has remade our spirits to be just like him again. That's why the Bible says that we're new creations, brand new creations. Catch this, if you will. If we are new creations, I heard uh, Dr. John Evanzini teach this one time. He said, um, when God, now, now take a minute to think about this because this, he wasn't even teaching on new creation realities. I think he was preaching or teaching on tithing and he just dropped this in and it like made, I, you, he lost me for the rest of the service. I was all, I was, it hit me. He said this, when God wanted to create a natural race of beings, he opened up Adam's side and pulled a race of beings out of Adam's side. But when he wanted to create a supernatural race of beings, 
he opened up the last Adam's side and pulled out a supernatural race of beings as Christ's side was pierced and blood and water flowed out. Hallelujah. He opened Adam's side and Eve came out and, the, and so the rest of creation, but he opened Christ's side and every new creature came out of the blood of Jesus. The first Adam versus the last Adam. There's a contrast there. The first Adam failed, but the last Adam prevailed. Glory to God. I want you to put that in the comment section so you understand what we're talking about. The first Adam failed, but the last Adam prevailed. The first Adam failed, but the last Adam prevailed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. How did the first Adam fall and lose power? He ate. He ate, right? Knowingly ate. But how did the last Adam regain power? The Bible says he did not eat. First thing he did in his ministry, went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The first Adam ate and lost his authority. The second Adam did not eat and gained back the power over the devil after he was anointed by the Holy Ghost and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The first Adam failed, but the last Adam prevailed. That's so important for us to understand because when you see it, you'll begin to know and understand that this, I have now gained back through Christ all power, all authority that he took. Hallelujah. He took it by his sinless life, by his redemptive act upon the cross, his resurrection, took that and gave it to us, gave it to us through making us a part of the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, here's why Satan hates you so much. And I'm gonna give you one more as a bonus because it's in my spirit. Number one, he wanted position, could not get it. And then you got it. Number two, he wanted authority, could not get it, and you got it. Number three, he wanted identity, divine identity, could not get it, and you got it. And today, you are in a place of position, a place of authority, a place of identity. Now, finally, I'll say this, because this, this, let me tell you, this is a way to go into the weekend on fire knowing where you are, who you are, where you stand, what you have. It's believed, though necessarily not taught directly in the scripture. I believe some teach it through the apocryphal books of the Bible, maybe some other writings, maybe Jewish histories. It's believed that Lucifer, and I'm sure you've probably heard this taught or said, it's believed that Lucifer was the maybe had or held the position of worship or praise in heaven. Some scriptures in the Bible, Ezekiel 28, seem to allude to the fact that he had instruments that were prepared for him. That's debated on what the actual Hebrew translation of that is. Maybe it's gems, maybe it's instruments. That's why I'm not giving you this as uh, like a definite, but I want you to hear this. And so the devil, many people think Lucifer, his position in heaven was to be a worshiper and maybe the worship leader in heaven, had pipes prepared from instruments prepared for him and that he was 
That was his job, if you will. But when he was ejected, notice, God created beings, that's us, who could freely praise and worship him. And literally, because notice this, God never, if you, if you look in scripture, there were those three archangels, Lucifer, Gabriel, Michael. We don't have any scripture that tells us that God replaced the third archangel. We don't have any scripture that tells us that God put up another angel to do those things or take the place of Lucifer. But what did he give us? Gave us position with him and we take the place of praise and worship. We're the ones that are worshiping God. We're the ones that are praising God. That's why the Bible says God inhabits, lives in, dwells in the praises of his people. We didn't just get, I mean, think about it. We didn't just get Satan's position. We didn't just get his authority. We didn't just get his identity. We also took his job. Hallelujah. We also took his job. And today we can freely open up our mouths and praise and worship God. Why do you think God so quickly responds to praise and worship throughout scripture? It is the thing that provokes his presence. It provokes his presence. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine yesterday, and uh, it made me think of something Bishop David Oyedepo taught regarding prayer and praise. And Bishop said it this way. He said, prayer is a powerful, powerful element given to us by God. It's powerful. But he taught this. Prayer can never equal praise in potency. The reason for that is God only answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. Hallelujah. Think about that. God only answers our prayers, but he lives in, dwells in our praise. It is impossible for God to go anywhere where he's not praised. He actually pulls praise out of every one and everything that surrounds him. That's why Jesus said, if you won't praise me, these very rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. You know why? Because he's too great not to be praised. He's too great. Our God is too great not to be praised. That's why he won't let, he won't allow, he won't allow any other God to take his glory. He won't allow any other God to take his praise, his worship, his honor. That's why it was one of the commandments. I'll have no other gods before me. I am the most high God. I am worthy of all the praise. That's what the Bible means when it says that God is a jealous God. He wants all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. It's due him. There's no one like unto him. He is the most high and there's nobody else beside him. We were singing a song in church. You've probably heard this song. It's relatively new. Um, but the, I think it's the bridge of the song. It says, you have no rival. You have no equal now and forever. God, you reign. If you've heard that song, you have no rival that song. Well, you think about that. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because how many Christians think 
that there are two polar forces. There's like the good God and the evil God, right? There's people that think that they think God, our God, Jehovah is like God on the, on the light side. And then the devil, it like holds the same power and authority on the dark side. And they're, and they're both like fighting against each other, you know, and, and, and literally, uh, they hold the same position in both, uh, kingdoms, if you will. So God holds the same power in the kingdom of light and the devil holds the same power in the kingdom of darkness. That's not even close to true. That's not even close to true. The devil has been stripped of anything. He has nothing. You understand that the devil's not like in this same opposing position of God, but except on the dark side. No, he's been stripped of anything that he had. And that song is why I love it because we understand, uh, the power that it is you speaking to God in the song, you have no rival. Now think about that, that lyric for a minute. You have no rival. There's no one that can rival our God, nobody, not even a group of people or group of, uh, celestial beings can rival our God. That's why Paul wrote to the Romans and said, if God is for you, tell me who can be against you, who? Who's going to uh, stand against, who's going to stand against the most high God? Nobody. You have no rival. You have no equal. No equal. There's no one on the dark side that's equal to, the, to God on the light side. So, well, yeah, it was just, we're, we're no, no, no rival, no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. The reason that's a powerful lyric is because many Christians are confused and they're deceived into believing that, you know, the devil's this great power that God's fighting against him. And there's this, you know, they, they post things on Instagram. If I've, if you've ever seen this, you know, it's like this, they've got this arm wrestling match, uh, picture that someone drew. It's like an illustration where you've got this huge, uh, you know, devil and then Jesus on the other side with his hand on the devil and they're going back and forth arm wrestling. They're not arm wrestling. They're not arm wrestling. The devil is nothing. He is nothing. Did you know that the Bible says that by the end of time, that when that, when the devil is forced to come out onto the battlefield in the light, people will actually say, is this the one who weakened the nations? Is this the one we've been afraid of? I mean, you, they'll see him for what he truly is and be baffled that they were ever afraid of him at all. Is this the one who weakened the nations? They won't be able to believe it. They won't be able to believe it. He has no rival, God. He has no equal. I like what evangelist uh, TJ said. Um, evangelist TJ said, Angels attend unto our prayers. God attends unto our praise. I'm wondering if you could, did you get that from, uh, did Bishop teach that along with what I was saying? That's what evangelist TJ Malkandri said. Angels attend unto our prayers. God attends unto our praise. You see the difference? Praise. If you think about it, Jesus is leaving Jerusalem or excuse me, leaving, uh, um, 
Jericho, Mark chapter 10, walking through a massive crowd with his disciples. I'm sure people needed help, healing. He never stopped, kept on walking until what? Until blind Bartimaeus started praising him. And when blind Bartimaeus started praising him, Jesus immediately stopped and said, bring him unto me. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? Because God has to inhabit the praises of his people. Everybody else was shouting, here comes Jesus of Nazareth. But Bartimaeus shouted, Jesus, son of David. That's different. One is saying, here comes the carpenter. Another saying, here comes the Messiah. A carpenter cannot put blind eyes back to, back to sight, but the Messiah can. And, and Bartimaeus knew, I don't need a carpenter to come touch me. I need the Messiah to come touch me. And so he didn't call out Jesus of Nazareth. He called out Jesus, son of David. His praise stopped Jesus in his tracks. And then Jesus said, bring him unto me. He said, what would you have me do unto you? Blank check from heaven for your praise. Look at that. Hallelujah. And he made him whole. His sight came back. His praise put him in position and that position gave him the miracle. I'm telling you right now, praise is powerful. And so as you're one of the things, and I I could teach a whole broadcast just on the, the, and I have many times the power of praise, but many times there's people right now, there's people right now that are getting involved in looking at all the news media, everything that's being tweeted, everything that's being on Facebook, everything that's on the news. And psychiatrists have now labeled it doom scrolling. People are just going deep into like, never stop seeing bad news. And they're allowing those things to crush their spirit. Rather than that, why don't you look at who you are in Christ? Talk about who you are in Christ. I mean, just start saying it throughout the day in your home. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not, I'm in this world. I'm not of this world. Thank you, Lord. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that I'm already victorious. I thank you, Lord, that you always uh, cause me to triumph. I thank you that you uh, give me victory in every situation. I thank you, Lord, that I'm made in the image of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that healing floods my body because I'm part of the body of Christ. And because he can't be sick, I can't be sick. I mean, just start talking like that and then start praising him for his goodness. Start praising him for his mercy. And when you praise him, when you begin to praise God, it's wonderful because joy comes, peace comes, strength comes. I mean, all these things, healing comes. It's supernatural. Praise is a prescription given to us by heaven to have victory, to have nonstop, constant victory in our lives every single day, every single day. So here at the end, I want to pray because one of the things that I want you to understand and clearly see is that God has put you in a position for a purpose. He has created you to be victorious. You're more than a conqueror. Amen. Triumphant. There's a reason. It's because in the purpose that he's given us, he's not called losers to complete a purpose. He's made you. Think about this. This is so opposite the world's way of doing things. In the world's way of doing things, you work and work and work and you press and press and press until you're victorious. (laughs) In God's way of doing things, you're victorious so you can work and work and work and press and press and press. It's the exact opposite. 
the world has to work and fight and press towards victory. We've just been given the victory so that we can work and press and strive for the Lord. You see that? It's the beginning place for us, not the end. It's the beginning, not the end. We're equipped to do that work and to come carry out our purpose. So I'm going to pray because here's the deal. Many of us today, and I know this to be true, many people that are watching this or listening to me on the podcast, you're dealing with things because of what you're seeing going on. The unrest you're seeing, as I've explained, is because the devil hates the people of this earth, hates them. And he knows the deliverer is coming. He knows his time is short. He knows these things. What is he doing? Kicking, scratching, fighting to take anybody he can try to take to hell with him. But we as the church have to now stand up with boldness like never before and do what God's called us to do. And I'm telling you now's the time, but you'll never do it if you don't feel that you're qualified to do it. You'll never do it if you don't feel it's your position and it is your position. You've been positioned, given authority, caused to rule and reign, have an identity, and you've got the power of praise to provoke God's presence. And I'm telling you, now's the time to do that. So let me pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I'm praying for every person watching this broadcast today. Lord, enlighten their spirit. Let them see things they've never seen before in your word. I pray you give us a new holy boldness to come alive in these final moments of time. We will come alive and begin to do what we're called to do. We're done with life on cruise control. We're done sitting in a place of inactivity. It's time for us now to come alive on fire and to do what we've been called to do as believers in these final moments of time. Lord, we thank you for equipping us. We thank you for anointing us. And now set a fire in our souls. Set a fire in our hearts to keep a kingdom focus for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, keep a kingdom focus. We thank you, Lord, for that. We give you glory for that today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you receive it and believe that today, throw some fire into the comment section and let me know that you believe that and receive that prayer over your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've got position, authority, identity, and praise. Amen. Put the four things in the comments, position, authority, identity, and praise position, authority, identity, and praise. Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) That's it. Position, authority, identity, and praise. Listen, I want to challenge you today on this Friday. It's an important day. Next week, we're getting ready to launch into a month long of revival. Four crusades in one month. And I want to encourage you on this Friday, challenging you to stand with Carolyn and with me in partnership. We've prayed and asked the Lord. This is our prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. In all that we're going to do around the world, Lord, phase one, attach a thousand faithful people to this ministry that would sow $85 a month or more. That's our prayer. 
That's what we're believing God for. A thousand faithful people, the victory tribe, that would stand with us. What is that? That's like a cell phone bill or a cable bill or a a dinner out with your family. But imagine the impact it makes for the kingdom of God when you sow that seed. And so we're standing for a thousand people that'll stand with us. So I'm challenging you to pray today on this Friday. Say, Lord, am I to be one of those? Many of you watching already are. You already are. I see people's names going up the screen. Thank you, Crystal, for sowing a seat. I I see people's names, partners of ours, Luenda and others that are standing with us already and we love you. But I'm challenging those that have not yet taken a step of faith. Today's the day to take a step of faith and watch what God will do in your life. Watch the financial increase. I promise you, you could talk to any one of these people on the broadcast that partner with this ministry. You know what they're going to give you? Testimonies. They're going to give you testimonies because as they've been faithful to sow, God's blessed them. God has blessed them. I get the testimonies. They text me, they email me, they write me on Instagram and Facebook. I get to see them, but you know why? That's how God operates. When you take a step of faith and you do what he's asked you to do, he responds with the increase that he promised. So I want to challenge you. Maybe you say, listen, at this time we can't do $85 a month. Do this. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do specifically, and then just obey his voice. Just obey his voice. And and God will bless you for your obedience to his voice. Amen. There's nothing special about the $85 a month uh, that we're asking for. It's not for 85 blessings in the Bible or Psalm 85. It's just what we've set our faith for. It's a place to set your faith, a goal, if you will. But do what the Lord tells you to do. There might be people, we've got people right now, the Lord's asked them to do $100 a month, $250, $500 a month, $750 a month. There's people that are are doing things largely, but they're doing what the Lord's told them to do. See, it has to take faith. Whatever you do has to take faith. And so it's very easy to do. As I'm challenging you today, you can go to miracleword.com and you can click there and sow a seed monthly, partner with us. Uh, You can use in the U.S., Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, of course, Facebook or Periscope, Twitter, you can use hashtag donate as Crystal did in the comments section. And let me challenge you to do that today. Take a step of faith and watch what God will do. For those of you sown in the month of August, we're going to be sending you a classic by Dr. Lester Summerall, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to receive it for your sowing, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Fill out the form so we know where to send the book. You will be blessed by this as Dr. Summerall leads you through teaching on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12. It'll be a huge blessing to you. And then of course, everybody that's sowing $1,000 or more, we're gonna be sending you a hardcover edition of Further Faster and the Life Application Study Bible in Genuine Leather. That's our way of saying thank you to everybody that's sowing. So take a step of faith right now, whatever the Lord's telling you to do, step out and do it. Let me say this, I wanna invite you. I wanna personally invite you. This month of September is gonna be powerful. And so all of our uh, meetings, all of the dates, all of the addresses, the church names, the times, it can all be found on miracleword.com if you click the schedule page. But let me just say, in September, four opportunities for you to come meet with us and be a part of these revivals. The first one's coming up starting next Friday night, a week from today. Next Friday night through Sunday, we're going to be in Ontario, Ohio. And uh, 
That's very close to Columbus, about an hour away from Columbus, Ohio. And then the next week, uh, we're going to be in Billings, Montana. Now, let me tell you something. I want to encourage you guys. You can get, you can get these flights for so cheap. Now's the time. If there was ever a time to go on a road trip and be a part of a revival, now's the time. Nobody's traveling. Got the airport to yourself. Nobody's going to sit next to you on the plane. It's wonderful. Um, it's really wonderful. But check it out. Go, go on to uh, Expedia, wherever you buy plane tickets uh, personally, and check it out from wherever you're at to Billings, Montana. It's, it's also coming up this month. Right after that, I'm going to be going to Evansville, Indiana. There's a few airports around there that you can fly into Nashville or uh, I think Indianapolis is also relatively close. That's going to be Sunday through Friday. And then right after that, Botkins, Ohio. And so you've got four opportunities to come and be with us in revival this month of September coming up. I want to see you guys. I won't be in Rochester, Kelly. Yes, Crystal, we're going to be in Billings. It's going to be awesome. Pastor Jordan work. We're going to be there. Uh, it's going to be wonderful, man. I can't wait to get out there. But take a minute, figure it out. Where can you meet with us? And then take a trip, man. Come see us. We've got people that are driving up. I already know there's people driving up to see us in Ontario, Ohio. Um, I know people are coming to Billings. Make plans and come be in revival services. You know, there's churches still closed around the nation, but I'm going where it's open <laughs> because we want to be open, do what God wants us to do. And this is what we're going to see. Revival is going to hit America in September in Jesus name. And I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be a part of it. And so Evansville, Indiana, all the dates, times, everything, Kim on the website, miracleword.com. Check out the schedule page. You'll see everything uh, that you need to see there. And then if you guys didn't get a chance to check out Miracle Word University, best time there's ever been to check it out. We created a bundle for you where you get a course for free, four courses in one bundle, 28% off. You get a course for free. Go to miraclewordu.com, letter U, miraclewordu.com. You can browse the courses, browse the videos, but this bundle is the best deal we've ever given. 20 hours of teaching that you can watch on your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever, at your own pace, whenever you want. It's yours for life. And uh, you can interact with other students. You can uh, leave comments on the videos, ask questions, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's great. It'll equip you. It'll equip you. And we've got more courses coming very soon as well. So I want to just say thank you. Thank you to everybody that's sewing, giving, being a part of Miracle Word Ministries. I actually thank God for you every week. I really do. You're an answer to our prayers. And uh, God's connected us together. I believe that. That's why I love coming on to the broadcast with you guys. God has connected us together. I love you so much, man. Have a phenomenal weekend. Have a powerful weekend. Enjoy it. I hope your church is open wherever you are. If your church isn't open by this point, it might be time to look for another church because there's no reason under God's blue sky that your church shouldn't be open. No reason whatsoever. Liquor stores are open. Restaurants are open. People are rioting and picketing and protesting in the streets shoulder to shoulder, many without masks. There's no reason your church shouldn't be open. Pastors, if you're not open, shame on you. Open it up. It's time to go back to church. It's time to be in revival. But hopefully you're in a church that's open. Have a phenomenal Sunday morning. And uh, I'll be back again with you. 
definitely Monday morning, 10.30 a.m. You might even see me before then. We'll see. I love you. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.